Alright, ready? Okay, cool. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Welcome to an episode which is going to be the start of many to come. We're going to be looking at Mezcal, which is a spin-off of the version of tequila, and you're going to see why it's a very, very private type of alcohol to drink. And probably the biggest episode so far, I have my co-founder of Tequila High Club coming into the studio right now. He's flown over from Bali and what you're going to find out from him being one of the biggest guys in fashion in Australia and so connected all around the world now, you're going to see how to take a fashion brand to a million dollars in 12 months and you're going to see how to adapt even when things like COVID happen. So this is exceptional. We're going to have him on all the time as much as possible when he flies to Bali. So before no further ado, Eddie, bro, what's up? Woo! Finally. Finally. Um, gang, gang. Wanted to get here for a while. Yeah. But we're finally here. Do you know, start this THT, the Tequila High Club thing going. How long, what, how long did we, how many years ago did we come up with the idea? Oh, man, it's probably like close to four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. The original concept, if you remember, was like drinking tequila and smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> THC. How great. Like that was such a um, whoa moment. And then just kind of sat on it. And then you went ahead and just did such an amazing job with all your guests, um, you know, with your tequila selection. I know it's so limited to in Bali with mm -hmm. the tequila selection. Um, even in Australia, we're, we just got the 818 Kendall Jenner's like yeah. tequila. Yay. Oh, great. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, with... As we grow, we can get more tequilas in, and Absolutely. I'm excited to try this mezcal because mm -hmm. I remember my first experience with mezcal. Um, I had a, a Mexican guy I came to the store. His name is Eddie, and then I, and I said he saw my tequila tattoo, and like, oh, you're drinking tequila. I'm like, yeah, I drink tequila. You know, Mexicans don't drink tequila. I'm like, hang on, what do you mean we don't? Like, you guys don't drink tequila. We drink mezcal. What the fuck is mezcal? <laughs> so it's more smoky. We sip it on the rocks. Um, have a dried cricket salt and slice oranges, watch the sunset. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that. And there was a, a, a tequila bar in Perth called El Grotto, and it won the best tequila bar in Australia. So I was there every single day watching the sunset, <laughs> drinking mezcal. It's very smoky, very quiet taste, not for everybody. Um, girls probably won't like it, but I know. Yeah, mezcal, like the the story of it is is such a, like I was saying in the intro, like it's a very private label because all the families don't want it to get as big as tequila. They still want to keep that very rich history and, and the recipe is very close. And this is why I love Corrigo. I mean, Corrigo is one of the fastest growing tequila brands now, but their Mezcal, they work with this uh, this small village, which is away from Jalisco, yeah. um, called uh, Artisanal. And they only do very, very small batches in line with how mm. the, the small village and the family want to actually you know, expand the Mezcal. So... But what, before we get into this drink, have a taste and see what it actually feels like, why is tequila, I mean, you got tequila tattoo, why is tequila so like big for you? Well, I started drinking tequila because uh, I'm Asian, so I get Asian flush. So if I drink vodka, beer, beer is really bad, wine is really bad, I get super red and I get dizzy, my head just explodes, right? So I started drinking tequila and when I want to drink tequila, somehow I don't get as red mm -hmm. and I don't get headaches. Um, and then later on, when I was drinking a lot of it because of that Eddie guy, starting to teach me, you know, Eddie, you know, it's the only alcoholic drink that's an upper, everything else is depressant. I'm like, what? That's, that, that makes sense. But that also makes sense why people throw up because at the end uh, of the night, people tend to drink tequila. And while your body's already gone downhill, mm. tequila trying to bring you up, that's going to bring a lot of shit out of your stomach. Yeah. 
Um, but if you drink tequila all the way through from the beginning till the end, you don't get hangovers. And I find yeah. it like awesome. I can drink every day. Yeah. Um, and just feel clean next day. You don't feel hangovers. And also, they a lot of people though they usually take the shit house tequilas. Yes, like that's all. If you see Jose Guerra, like I always ask, what's your house uh, house tequila? And they pull out Jose Guerra, the dark one, the Reposado. The, mm. You just go, no, nope, no. Nope. Um, if they have the clear ones, great. The Blanco, that can you can drink that. That's actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the ones with the the uh, what's another one? Uh, Jimenez. I hate that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not bad for like. A reposado that's very very cheap and not aged that very well but it's still very very low i drink a lot of tequila and that's still too when i see that i ain't drinking that shit i Um, think they put a lot of preservatives into it even though like i mean i don't know what they're putting they should stop producing that shit shit illegal like people hate tequila yeah Uh, because people who drink tequila properly they'll start appreciating they start drinking tequila they're Mm -hmm. switching to tequila rather than um vodka so you can replace your vodka drinks with tequila yeah i even have instead of vodka red bull i have tequila red bull when we started hanging out, I was drinking tequila sodas, mm. and then you you were drinking the tequila OJ, OJ, and I was like, "What the hell is that, bro?" Yeah. And then you're like, "Bro, just have some." Yeah, and you go, like change my life forever, yeah, bro. Dude. It's so funny. Like, I started that shit like maybe yeah eight 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 years ago now. Like everyone in Perth who drinks tequila OJ would know me because I've converted them to tequila OJ. Yeah, right? it's basically just tequila sunset without the grenadine. Yeah, I don't like the grenadine. So and so, yeah, so tacky. Um, plus, it just takes too long. I just want my Drink now. Yeah. Tequila OJ, done. You know, and just so simple. And it looks like you're drinking vodka OJ. I can have 20 of those, 30 of those. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, that's the story of a tequila. That's... Um, I feel like, you know, this, I think there's a trend now. Like, people moving away, especially the rich people moving away from whiskey, drinking whiskey to tequila. Mm-hmm. Especially with the celebrity endorsements of yep. um, tequilas and stuff like that. I tried the Casamigos recently. Amazing. George Clooney's brand. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a big fan of Don Julio. I don't know. People still regard it as the top of the league. I think it's trash. Um, it's it's trash. Um, they have, I mean, their marketing that was being is very good. You know, I mean, the, the bottle, the 1942, like everyone like loves yeah. that because of what it looks like, right? Because I was like researching and then I saw like a lot of tequila uh, enthusiasts love um, the brand Fortaleza. So I started drinking mm. that. But it's very expensive, $70 a bottle. For the leather, so Ryan from Lola's is like asking me, he's like, yo, if you can get this in, we'll yeah. have it at his, at, his, um, yeah. uh, at Lola's for like season two. So that's like like the true, um, um, but I still like, you know, the Espelon, 40 bucks, 60 bucks, still great. Espelon's still really I good. I suppose clean. Um, the Blanco has got a really nice taste to it mm. as well. It's, um, it's, it's not in your face, but it has uh, a nice slow, gentle, yeah, smooth. Um, and I'm just like you know, people who drink really good tequila, they understand you can actually drink it on the rocks, and mm. I prefer that now sometimes. I go, oh, low calories, sixty nine calories per shot, rather than hundred calories for a shot of vodka. Yeah. Um, and you sip it, and 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 yeah, I'm keen to well, let's, it. Um, let's, let's do this. Let's sip this, bro. Cool. So I've already poured in some, so we're just right. gonna cheers. Have a bit of a smell and mm, smoky. Yeah. Has smell like a little bit of. A I drink this citrus feel. normally with like. In Perth, I drink this with um, freshly squeezed apple juice at El Grove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, straight to the nose. Here's what I'm saying. Whoa. I think with like um, that like had... a block of ice, like the big uh, cube of yeah, ice, the big one, to... will just smooth and um, transition into your throat a lot sweet, uh, a lot better. But we're in Bali, we just can't. Yeah, demand shit. <laughs> you know, like we'll book it in advance we'll, for the we'll next season. season. When we have a bigger budget, we'll have yeah. the big ice cube in there, or there's like round one in there, just 
but you can really smell that smokiness at it, like the, from the mezcal. Yeah. yeah. There's like, a difference between like to get like the mezcal, they just smoke it in the ground, isn't it? Like they just, and you get that smokiness and, um, what else are we tasting? There's like a, it's like a cherry, dark cherry to it as well. I don't know, I just taste the garbage and taste goodness. But it almost like, it goes like, it almost like evaporates in the, on your throat and just goes to like your nose, clears your nose and your eyes. I'm, my eyes are watery right now. Mm. And I like that. I like that. It just kind of like the ethanol, you go, the smokiness. I like, I, I mean, I, I've been talking about the whole story of tequila, tequila and why it's so like important mm. and the soul to it. But yeah, I watched um, this documentary on Vice and they were going into like different Mezcal villages yeah. and like, None of them want to actually, they all like, so, you know, you look at tequila, like Patron and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they now got machinery and they just, you know, cause they're banging out so many bottles. Every single mezcal village has no machinery. They're still using yep. the, um, like the cow, the bull carts to, to still go around and, and stomp it. Yeah. And I mean, that takes so much longer and they just want to keep it like that for. As- I like it. There's a story. I think that's a difference between. A tequila brand like Casamigos, you know, by George Clooney, he he really promotes the farmers compared to Kendall Jenner's Eight One Eight, which is all that yeah. her image. It's like Terramano, The Rock does that as well. Yeah, very much in the field, which is great. Which is great. I think you know the farmers love that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is great. I'm gonna finish this. So um, let's uh ah very good. Mm. All right, so. Let's um let's have a shot and do like a proper full one. Now, the Mexican guy, Eddie. His name's Eddie, and he makes great tacos. Um, <laughs> just a typical Mexican, the, the typical Mexican guy you would expect you just, you, to to meet. You know, just typical. Wait, guy. wait, what Mexican joint does he have? He had like a store, which just opens up every now and then, and I wish him to do more of a permanent thing, yeah. um, because he had so much history. And unfortunately in Australia, people like the, the westernized version of the authentic mm. cuisine. And you know, when it's too authentic, they kind of don't get it. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, you know, like when we have like a, um, a Thai restaurant, right? And the guy would just want to do um, a really spicy dish. Um, and this one particular dish called lab, and it makes people com- like drop one star review because it's too, too spicy, yeah. but that's how they eat it in Thailand. Yeah. But people don't understand that and just like, oh, this is too spicy. They should have warned us. I'm like, bro, you're eating Thai food and Thai food is very, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Eddie talk to you about how he takes shots or anything like that? So he taught me how to have a mezcal. So basically on the rocks, mm-hmm. have dried cricket salt. And I don't know where you can get dried cricket salt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just and have it with orange, uh, sliced oranges. Yeah. So I'm guessing you just have a little bit of dab of salt. Like have the orange. Yeah, actually, which now we got the orange, right? But I'm going to teach you. So what I've learned from like my Mexican distributor, right? So we can do this. This works for like tequila the best way. And I've been showing people a lot of this, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like it actually works better. So yeah, cheers, cheers. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a deep breath in, because then what happens when people? This works for like terrible tequila as well. When people go to take a shot, they smell the like the really smooth. Like, they know when it's like even other tequila, like they smell like the aroma. The agave is like very strong, right? Except so, Jose Guevara. Was that yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, dude, you can't even that say that. Crash. So we're going to take a deep breath in and then we take the shot yeah. and then we breathe out. Yep, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Wow, that was 
That was really smooth. Mm. That was extremely smooth. I honestly think an Indonesian Indonesian um, orange tastes so good. Yeah. So sweet. I mean, that's... So out of, out of 10, how would you rate this mezcal? Um, to me, that's like high up there. I've had some bad mezcal where I go, ooh. Yeah. Just really... I mean, so give us give us a rating out of 10. I'd, I'd give them an 8. 8 out of 10. Okay, cool. All right, so why I'm pouring this, um, I mean, let's let's get into your fashion, um, you know, and, and what you do and who you are. We've been mates for quite a long time. Yeah. But to me, it's been really, really exciting to see, uh, you know, the growth of your business, so Cabinet Noir. Now, um, you know, you can talk about Cabinet Noir straight up, but I would just want to get straight into it and ask, cheers. Mm-hmm. A cheers. How did you take your business, which you've been running for a number of years? Yep. But I understand you got an investment and then you did two things. One, you quadrupled your income to make a million dollars in a year. Mm. And then also when COVID happened, you totally switched the flip mm-hmm. and then you changed direction. And then that grew your business even faster. Like, tell, explain to me, how did you do that with Cabinet Noir? Well, so this is our 10th anniversary. So this is our 10th year of running the brand and mm-hmm. the store. Uh, well, actually the store. The brand has only been running three or four years. Yeah. Um, so I started off as... I have a money 250, 300 grand, either get a house or open a business. Um, me being having that entrepreneurial mindset, you know, well, I can get a house and then just keep paying the mortgage and I just have to work mm-hmm. or open up something that I wanted to do for a long time since I was 19. This is 10 years ago when I was 27. Um, so I decided to open the shop and I didn't know anything how to open a shop. You know, I just wanted to do it. I said, like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to open the shop. I've got the money now. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, I probably overspent money, the money on the fit out. Spent like two hundred fifty to hundred, and then only spent hundred grand on the stock because I didn't really think properly about cash flow and you know mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But we were lucky enough that was during the mining boom, so we converted that two hundred fifty three hundred grand to a million dollars within the first year. Actually, I had a goal to make a million dollars, um, and it turned to one point two million on the first year. So, and then we just keep growing on my, my brands list starting from five, 10 brands to like a hundred brands within two, three years, mm-hmm. 2015, 2016. And we've just gone so big. That's when I started going to Paris, started doing Paris fashion week, start importing luxury designer brands that no one had in, in Perth at the time. And to me, that was great. Um, cause I had the, in, the initial thought of the, the store was creating a, a boutique but with a fine dining uh, modus operandi, which is like, you know, our operation is blueprint is inspired by fine dining restaurant, Michelin style restaurants. So like Michelin style restaurants would go to a, a farm and be like, oh, what's what's fresh today? Mm. And the farmer, oh, the tomato is beautiful today, Alejandro. <laughs> like, oh, I'll take a case of that. Yeah. Or oh, the fish is fresh, you know, they get this, don't get this, don't buy this. And they have a good relationship with the farmers. And that's how I look at um, our store. I go to Fashion Week. So Fashion Week to me is like going to the, the market mm-hmm. where I go, oh, what's fresh, guys? Like we'll look at, um, talk to me with the other industry people, um, other stores and so on. And then they'll tell me, Eddie, look at this, like check out this brand. That's going to be big next year. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we'll see the brand and mm-hmm. we'll talk to the, and then it didn't happen just like that. Like it took us a long time to be known. Yep. At the beginning, we had to knock on the door, literally knock on the showroom um, doors, like, hey, 
my name is Ibn Maradona, I'm from Cabernet Noir, um, would like to see a brand. And they're like, oh, do you have an appointment? And I'm like, no, we don't, but we'd love to. Do you have any stockers in Perth? And like, and obviously they're, they're there to make money. Yeah. So they're not going to turn a customer down. Mm -hmm. And then I look at my store. Yep, your store is good enough. You can have a look and buy our products and mm -hmm. brand. Um, and I did that for three or five years before we started to get recognition. All right. So before we like go more into that, I want to roll back because I want to talk about your B-boy days before cabinet. Because there's a huge influence in your fashion mm. uh, and definitely your network in the beginning, I think. And then also leading into like, you know, who you style like in yeah. the artist industry and in the music industry and all that. Like how, tell me a little bit more because you work with like, like you work with Red Bull and, and yeah, everything like so that, right? I started dancing when I was 16 to pick up a girl, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> I had nothing going. I was like, fuck, I need a, something cool. And at the time, you know, um, uh, this goes back to Run DMC. You know, they had a music video called It's Like That. And they were breaking. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, fuck, if I can do that, I'll pick up this girl for sure. Because she's into her hip hop. So I dove into it. End up getting so obsessed with breaking, right? Where I forget about the, the girl. I'm like, I, I didn't really care about the girl. I was so obsessed with this, like, art form. And I would just, and, and I was still at school. I would go from school, train back to home. And then every day I would do that. To a point where... Um, 2013, I end up winning the Red Bull BC One, which is like the the biggest uh, breaking event in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I represent Australia for a couple of years, and my name just blew up. You know, I think my name blew up before then because I had a bunch of videos that people were copying, copying my skills on YouTube. And back then, YouTube wasn't a big thing, mm -hmm. and I was just recording to kind of like put a note to myself that um every move that I made, I put it out on YouTube so I remember I can watch it again. And then it went viral and people starting to copy more moves and my name got big. So if people call me Edit, that means they know me from breaking. Um, nowadays, they just call me Edward from Cambodian Noir because that's my identity now, <laughs> which is like Seth. Um, so, and, and I took that kind of in breaking, you know, we, the first thing I noticed was like the, the lead breakers always dress the best. <clears throat> I mean, not all of them, but like the ones I look up to, mm -hmm. they're always so fresh. You know, where I always go, man, that guy's so fresh. He's like, He's got that shoe rocking there with his hat. So everything is like what we call like you're building your own style, right? So like if someone wears a hat like this, that guy will wear like this. That's his style. Or that guy will wear like like high like this to backwards. And I will wear like this, cover my eyes. Like right now I used to cut, I used to have my ears tucked in. That was like my style back then. So you can't see my eyes, you know? That was like things that we picked up. And if you lace your shoes a particular way, wear your pants a particular way, roll one leg up, and stuff like that. You create your own identity and your own stuff. You even had your identity when you took a photo as well, right? Which, oh yeah. This, I, I became like viral because my face gets so red when I'm drinking and I hate, <laughs> I hate seeing my eyes. Like right now you can see my, I'm getting the Asian flush from the two drinks. Yeah. All right. Um, so I used to just cover my face and that was also, it was also in a b-boy way with, there's like a pose like this where you cover your face and just look so fresh because the angle, like your hands, your fingers, you're making a shape. Like you're making letters with your body. That's mm -hmm. how we always think about um, our dance. Like it's like graffiti. Oh, that's a nice, like that's an S pose. Yeah, that's a figure four. You know, that's like the tut, mm -hmm. whatever. Like it just like when taking photos, we're like, boom. It has an angle. And we don't like stand straight. We stand like, boom. Like certain angle. We hate standing straight. Like we always want to switch it up. Mm -hmm. We always want to flip it. And that carried into fashion because that was fashion to me. And so I started the shop. And what happened was, when I got into the luxury fashion and I noticed 
like these brands like Off-White, Louis Vuitton, they're taking these elements from the b-boys from the hip-hop community like culture mm -hmm. um without having the context with them and that kind of pissed me off a little bit because back then when we i used to see like like uh people wearing say or a metallica t-shirt i know he listens to metallica he's in that sort of heavy metal mm -hmm. scene uh people wearing you know like flat peak hat with a truck or whatever like oh that's the guy from you know he that's a miami star or new york yankees flat brim new, new era hat oh that's the new york steez Right, so that everyone is in wearing their culture, really. But now you get kids wearing bunch of they're wearing like emo shit with, you know, hip hop shit combining together. And I go, Fuck, I don't even know what they listen to anyway. It's yeah. a mix match, and and you know, ASAP Rocky's part of to blame as well because he's the guy. Go, ah, oh, yeah. I just wear this T-shirt, this metal T-shirt because I like it. Do you know what I mean? So the kids, are like, oh yeah, that's cool. Then and that's becoming a trend. It's interesting when you see a guy wearing a Taylor Swift shirt, you know he listens to Taylor Swift, though. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Tay-Tay. Love Tay-Tay. But, you know, that's I, I carry that to the fashion that I brand now. Mm -hmm. You know, the T-shirt I'm wearing now is a mock neck style from the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I mean? This, this like, print has a certain um, context to it. Mm -hmm. The rings that I'm wearing has a certain context to it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I like. You know, when you're in fashion, you're kind of like, you're communicating non-verbally. And, you know, when I look at your shirt, I'm like, oh, shit, like, you know, he needs to change because he been wearing the same episode <laughs> for the last last ten episodes. I got a reason why I'm doing. It. I know you do. You tell me the reason. Can, can you tell us the reason why? The re no, I can't because the re no because I can't say it on on. Okay, the reason why I went sure. Yeah, the reason why I wear this shirt and the same thing every single episode is because one, we're a new show, and two. I don't have to think about what am I going to wear so I can concentrate more on the But it's the reverse I... of Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs wore it because he doesn't want to think about it, but yours is so loud that you know that you're wearing the same shit every season. And then he's wearing a black shirt. I'm only like doing this. it for this season. I'm only <laughs> doing it for this season. Okay, good. But I'm also loud though, aren't I? Like, yeah, yeah. You know? But I'll send you some Cabin Noir kit package. Hopefully you can wear them. Yeah, well, I'll wear, I'll wear that in season two for sure. Yeah. And we do proper particular high club merch yep. hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what do you, how do you find the particular scene here, the drinking scene, or even like your life in Bali? Do you find it like a lot easier social life wise, I mean, wise? You've the, been here for a while now. The tequila side is, uh, it does have to be like, you know, I've, I've found there's not a lot of tequila bars in Bali yet. Nah. So my friend who helps me with like getting like these, um, tequilas, um, Richard, he's got the biggest distribution right. company here. Mm. He's from Canada. Absolute Lord. And when it comes to tequila, he's like yeah. the biggest person here in tequila. He, um, behind America, he he's Class Azul's second biggest distributor. Right. Which is, that's a lot, Definitely. bro. And you know what I find really interesting? You can't find so many other tequila brands, but you can find Class Azul. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. crazy. He went straight to the top. And he's the reason because he, uh, so he went over there, like once he started like, you know, distributing it, killing it in all the clubs. And we have like the big, you know, the big bottle scene, you're either... We don't have, no one buys 1942 here. It's pushed to, you'll now see Codigo all the time. Yeah. And then you'll see Class Azul and you'll see it. I mean, Miss Fish last night, I saw on friend's story, I think there was like 10 bottles to one table. Of class, yeah. So how uh, much is a bottle at a club? A thousand USD? For Class, class Azul, it's about, I think it's either between nine mil and 14 mil. So, so, so 700 US to... Like eleven hundred US, right? Yeah, and retail they're only about hundred dollars, hundred and forty. They're two fifty, three hundred US. Yeah, really? No, for the top end is three hundred. 
for the class of Zulf, like the the blue reposado. Yeah. Yeah, you can. I can buy them um, for I think four point five mil. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's actually like really cheap. I mean, the, the markup's crazy, right? The markup in Indonesia is way bigger because when you think yeah. about the bottle service in America, you're purchasing it for that. So then also the bar, the um, bar girl, uh, the, sorry, the bottle girl can also get money off that. Mm. And then you've got staffing, right? But when you're adding an extra like 400 per bottle mm. on top, it's crazy. So, I mean... And I think because the class size is such a recognizable bottle now, I feel like it's becoming the Belvedere or uh, the um, Dom Perignon of tequila, and rich guys just want to flex that so they can attract more yeah. Russian women, hot Russian women <laughs> in Bali. Here, right? yeah. And I mean, like, do you know what the one thing sucks about um, Bali though is um, the fashion here sucks. It's very hard. Well, it's, to it's, find. it's very climatized. It's like climatized to resort wear. So, like, if I I'm, I'm sweating in this t-shirt right now. And this t-shirt is like 230 grams Japanese kind, which is great, but I can't sell them here in Bali. You'll sweat your ass off here. But I noticed that they do heavyweight t-shirts here, which is really funny. I Because yeah. I, I look at a couple of stores and a couple of brands in Bali, and they love the thick fabric. Um, but it's it's for all the people that, okay, you got the normal um, places here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the old school places, like the old mats yeah. and stuff like that. None of them are your clientele, right? No. But the people who go to Miss Fish and go to Savar and spend the money, mm -hmm. They're the ones. So when I talk about, I'm not talking about fashion just for guys. Even girls like hate it as well because you can go to um, Beach Walk, right, in Creta, which has like all like, you know, H&M and all that type of stuff, Zara, but right. that's not proper fashion. That's just like, meh. No, yeah. But to get actual, there's two th problems here with Indonesia. It's one, importing it, mm. then the you have to pay a lot of tax for like designer stuff, right? Mm. Then two, but to create something nice that's like say cab, um, within here also like costs a lot of money but so it's like always like the the international shipping yeah. and stuff well, that's the hardest thing for us we wouldn't be able to sell it here our t-shirt is costing for this t-shirt 160 dollars and <clears throat> people in indonesia wouldn't pay that um dude in jakarta it would oh yeah in jakarta but bali not so much i mean no. i would think like if you did your because you want to do a villa here as well right that's my next step process after with expanded Cabernet Noir brand, yeah, um, I want to do something. So basically, the three homes that I want, the three HQs that I want to um, establish is Perth, yeah. Bali, and Paris. So that'll be like my main three. Mm. And you go to Paris, Bali, Perth. Paris, Bali, Perth. Um, Paris for Fashion Week, Bali to do work, and then Perth is kind of like chill. Yeah, because I love Perth. Very relaxed and laid back. Mm. So I think the only business that i think makes sense here either opening a bar or uh, a villa um i've been wanting to do a concept conceptual uh villas for a long time everything will be luxury mm -hmm. um themed to our brand so concrete dark wood uh very aesthetic for influencers um to come in and take photos mm -hmm. doing content creation um stuff like that so i have this concept in my head blueprint for for a while but i i think it will happen in the next year or two yeah so, I mean, like, so that's in the next year or two. Let's ride wine back a year or two, um, COVID, because I, I really yeah. want to know that because I know what you did from a digital standpoint mm. on how you flipped the switch when other businesses, you know, we saw a lot of shit go down. Yeah, 100%. How did you adapt and how did you really excel your business through that? So after I opened up Cab 2013, 15, 16 was the peak. That was like, I was just making so much money then. Two point one. I wasn't paying attention probably to the business. 
this is where I fucked up because money kept coming in. Mm-hmm. I just kept spending it, keep buying new brands. So I went from, like I said, 10 brands to over 100 brands within 12 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. That's just over expansion. Yeah. Um, they're just stupid. And I was getting offered left, right, center. Brands like Off-White wanted to be in our store. Brands like Alexander Wang, um, Hell in a Mill. You know, these are the brands that I get hit up by all the time. Like Alexander McQueen. And they want to be in our store because we started generating um, hype around. No one was doing what we're doing in Australia. At the time. And we have so many stores copying our business model after that. Um, so 15, 16 were just insane money. I was just partying too much. Yeah. Party, drugs, life, you know, just broken up with my ex. He's just like, fuck this. Like, I'm making money. I just, I wasn't paying attention to the business because I was making money. And then it bit me in the ass because by the time of 2017, 18 hit, retail market just went oversaturation, oversaturated and e-commerce business just boom like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I could no longer catch up to the big guys because the big guys have resources. They've been doing e-commerce for a while. Um, they were using ads to kind of push their brand and I didn't do any of that. I, would, I had e-commerce, but I wasn't pushing that. Mm-hmm. Didn't do any Facebook ads, didn't understand much of it. I just had the products on online. Um, so that's where I fucked up. So I was like, all right. And I was just fucking behind. So, because the way it works with the business is you have to buy six months before we launch the product. Mm. So which means I spent close to a million dollars for next season that we're not making enough money to clear. That means we're stuck with this stock waiting to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And we had no way out until COVID happened, right? People hated COVID, but for us, because we were so behind, all the big guys so far ahead. And when COVID happened, it's like the universe just pressed the reset button, and then everyone just went to the same starting point. Mm. And these guys actually end up behind; they end up closing. So I saw a so, lot so of you mean like out. the the retail side though, like really went to a foundational. Yeah, so everyone yeah. like came from because everyone's not making any money, so yeah. now we're on the same starting point. Yeah, got you. Right? And then the big guys actually getting fucked up more, but like more because they stocking a thousand brands compared to and they got way brands. more overheads. Way and... more overheads. So a lot of them went under. Yeah, right. A lot of our uh, rivals went under, um, and I end up getting ahead. Yeah, right. Because I was like, oh shit. Um, and it was to me that dude was like saving my ass really. Yeah. Um, and that's the point where I go, all right, now, like even just during COVID, I was just like, all right, just re-strategize, dissect my business, be smarter with it to point where now I'm helping other businesses like throughout agency. So they don't repeat my mistakes. Hmm. Right. So now my, um, experience in 10 years, 15 years in retail, I can just like, help other brands. Hey, look, don't do this. Make sure you look at your cash flow. Don't over leverage. Don't over leverage. And also like, look at your, your buying. And why are you buying this brand? Why are you spending so much money on this brand? Yeah. Um, is this brand not getting you any return? Do you know what I mean? Like shit like that. So like, how's your marketing? You're spending a lot of money on this marketing, which doesn't give you any ROIs. Right. So like these are sort of stuff that I'm like now helping other brands to do. Okay. Let's talk about marketing quickly. What's the difference between from what you've seen, because you do a lot of Facebook ads and a lot of like advertising, right? But what is your difference? Because I don't see you ever do this influencer marketing versus just paid ads. Yeah. Do you do both or is it still just only a paid ad? It's on your brand, right? So right now I have clients that run um, activewear brands, jewelry brands, uh, streetwear brands, um, even startup luxury brands, right? And then I'll ask them, who's your demographic? Well, activewear brands, but oh, healthy girls that are and they look up the a lot of these health girls fitness girls will look up to um their coaches they'll like girls look up to other girls 
right? So they're the coaches and the fitness influencers are the leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. So then we use strategies such as UGC, building UGC, user-generated content. So I'll hit up, I'll tell the brands, all right, have your top 10 ambassadors, send them care packages and give them discount codes so they like, they, their followers get discount, a little bit of discount, and they also get commission on top of that. Um, so then the leaders of the UGC, they'll push the brand and they, because they're making money, right? They'll be like, oh shit, I, I can make up to 30 grand a month. Do you just want to um, explain what UGC actually means? UGC means user-generated content, which means, for example, if I send you a care package, which I have already with a cabinet t-shirt, mm -hmm. and then if you want to create UGC content for me, right, then you go, oh my God, just get a, just got a new t-shirt from Cabernet Noir. Oh, I love the material on this. It's heavyweight. It's so breathable. I love yep. the logo and the fit looks so good. Uh, make sure you use my code if you want to get it so you get a little bit of cheeky discount. And then, you, then you're driving traffic into my website mm -hmm. to make a purchase, mm -hmm. right? So now you're giving... And then I'll make sure you, you buy it now before stock runs out. You're creating urgency as well. Yeah. So they'll listen to you because you're the leader of the community. So that's what UGC is. And you start seeing a lot of influencers doing UGC. They're mm -hmm. getting paid. Sometimes they have sponsored, paid sponsored ads, sponsored mm -hmm. content, whatever, on Instagram. And there's some people like even on TikTok who may not have a big following, but they just really understand how to make things go viral, which are great for those UGC, great. right? It's a great platform. Yeah. For our case, because we're a luxury designer brand, we don't do UGCs. Mm -hmm. We do celebrity placement. Yeah, I got you. So, so yeah, now talk, we have an agency in LA. Yeah, and, let's talk and, about that. And in London. So, for example, recently Jay-Z bought our stuff. Right, I didn't know this until our agent from London um, told us, hey, Jay-Z's went to the Miami store, um, uh, men's closet, which stocked our brand, and he bought some stuff from uh, from that store. Hey, oh, well, great. But hopefully I get to see Jay-Z wearing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But he wants it. A celebrity that status... You won't see uh, him wearing the brand unless he's at home, yeah. because he he wants only the brand that pays him well. Yeah, um, you know, like Louis Vuitton Dior or whatever. Um, so for us, then we use other others like producers stuff. We recently had MPH rocking up us a brand, mm -hmm. and he had a boiler room set wearing Cabernet t shirt. Yeah. Um, Stone Boy just recently went to the store and bought our stuff. And I saw KSI was wearing that. KSI well. wearing Banks, which Banks. is our sister brand. Yeah. And recently, that's through our agent in, in London. Uh -huh. um, and the fact the case, I was wearing it the whole day. This is crazy. It was like almost two days in a row, right? And we had Khabib, um, coach who was wearing our Cabernet t-shirt. Mm -hmm. So these are like the placement that I like. You know, not like UGC, but more like celebrity placement. But we don't do that a lot because we kind of value our brand. Mm -hmm. So we have like a limit of like, all right, this season, we have 10 things to send to the stylist in the showroom. And the the showroom will put it into their celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I have a lot of NFL, NBA players wanting to wear Cabin Noir. I had Zion Williamson wants to wear our stuff recently, the jacket and stuff like that. Um, so that's our the way we look at it. It's our user generated content. It's in a way it's a UGC, right? But our user generated content is now by our celebrities, mm. so it's a different tier. Isn't it crazy? Like you know, it's ten year anniversary and. And just it's like, insane. I remember when Diplo came into your store, like in your old store, yeah. and you're telling me about it, and you're like, yo, Diplo, you just come the, in, bro. You know who the first big name was? Yeah. DJ Snake. Uh -huh. Before he became famous, and he wasn't wearing any glasses. Maybe like, I sent you the thing, and you can have it showing. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny. Resolution's probably pretty bad, because that was 2013. <laughs> um, he bought some stuff. We didn't have much. And then his entourage, I thought only one guy, his photographer, I think. And it's like, yo. You want a photo with this guy? I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He was the um, snake was in the change room. Yeah, 
playing playing DJ Snake. It's going to be big this year. I'm like, fuck it. All right, fine. Took a photo with him. And after that, he just blew up. Mm -hmm. So now I have the photo of him without glasses. Now you can't see any photos of him without glasses. Yeah. That was the only one. Maybe I can make an NFT out of that, actually. Um, so who else? Who else has come into the studio, um, into your sorry, into your shop? Is and has been just really, really fun and cool. And the most fun was Imagine Dragons. We didn't even know they were Imagine Dragons. We had a sale at the time, so we had a massive line. And then it's like three guys. They look like they're not from me because we know all the cool kids there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh? Who is this guy? Like rocking all designer brands. And then they're lined up for ten minutes too because they're trying to check it out the store. Yeah. And like, hey, hey, man, we're like. And they go, where are you guys from? Like, we're from Vegas. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing in Perth? I'm like, oh, we're, we're playing tonight. Playing where? At Perth Arena. And I go, holy shit, Perth Arena is a, like, at the time, like, yeah. the biggest, like, you know? So I went behind the counter, Perth Arena, Friday night, who's playing? Imagine Dragons. I go, you guys imagine Dragons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I start pulling all my expensive shit from the back. <laughs> they got money. Boom, pulled out all my rack, like my special, like, rack that couldn't even sell, like, three, the three to five grand jackets that yeah. I couldn't sell. So he started buying. They start, yeah, what else you got? What else you got from the back? And I'm boom. All right, they want more. Like, this crazy sunny, like two, two grand sunny. So we want it for tonight. And they end up buying an outfit for the whole crew. And you guys, you guys want to come to the, um, to the, to the show? And I fuck it. And at the time I was dating this girl. And I think the band member was into her as well. Hey, do you want to come to the thing? And then she was kind of flirting with them. Ruben, oh, gosh, fuck it. Fuck it. Like, we get ticket, free tickets. So we end up getting VIP seats. Yeah. Um, they spending they end up spending twenty grand, but they're super humble. Yeah. Um, so that's like one of the cool guys. We had Gunner, and Gunner was funny. He just like we had to shut down the whole store. Had a bag of like big Louis Vuitton duffel bag full of weed because you stunk the whole store for three days straight. Yes. Insane. I'm like, what the hell? Um, he spent you know a few grand. We had Kid Leroy before Kid Leroy got big, and the time they're like he was just looking around. Yeah. And it's like, what's this? Like, oh, and I was explaining the brand. Diplo was really cool. Um, we had um, Lupe Fiasco. We had Joey Badass. Um, Birds of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. you know, we had so many artists coming through. Imagine back in those days, like, you know how you see, um, like, Complex, the sneaker mm -hmm. show, right? And if you had, like, that coming in, that mm -hmm. shit would be so cool. That's so cool. I know. Well, I mean, would you do that for Cab? Like, like for example, Culture Kings would pay artists to make an appearance, like a five-minute yeah. appearance for 15 grand. They'd pay them. Right, so they'll pay the artists to go to the to to do their shopping there, and the artists end up coming to us anyways for free to I buy know. shit from us. That's what I mean, right? I don't yeah. mean paying. I mean because you've built because Culture Kings yeah. is franchise, right? Well, and, now it is, but before they were independent. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like Culture Kings is kind of like I still look at Culture Kings as like fucking Target, mm -hmm. and like you guys are like I mean because your new store is behind Louis Vuitton, you're in yeah. the luxury area. Like crazy. you guys are the top hip hop, yeah. like you know, sorry, um, like luxury streetwear, yeah. right? But I think, like, wouldn't that be cool, though, if you're just like, hey, I know you're coming in, but we always have this videographer always just like, you know, mm. do you think that would fly? Because no, I think you like, guys... Could... A lot of them want free shit. For example, Post Malone was in town. They, hey, you want to come, but Post wants some free stuff. Hey, but yeah. Complex, uh, also, they have been make, they've been building this show and they don't, mm. like, everyone has to pay for the shoes, right? Or do you know that? Or do they, or do they just yeah, do it for the show? Like, and yeah, exactly. Just... So you, you never know. The production team could probably, like, hey, look, we're cheaping half of the price or whatever. Yeah. So who knows? Um, to me, I, I don't really like doing it. If they want to shop there, they'll shop there. Like, yeah. Know, we had, like I said, we had Imagine Dragon spend 20 grand. You just wanted to just build your brand. Let yeah. Them like, just like, like, they come in. Cool, six, yeah. eight, ten grand, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't need a kind of big for celebrities. It's not going to, like, giving them free shit or paying them, it's not giving me a return. Nah. 
uh, we'll probably get a photo from it, but we have enough credential and photos now. Yeah. Um, like people know us from like, uh, we're actually bigger over in Europe than we're in Australia, which is funny. I mean, would you ever like launch a store over there? I would probably do it in like the fashion hubs like New York, Paris. Um, mm -hmm. And then that's probably it really. Like New York, Paris and Perth, just three stores. Mm -hmm. I don't want to oversaturate it. I want to create cool concepts. I mean, that's the perfect way, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Japan or oh, Japan for sure. Mm -hmm. Like Tokyo. So for Paris, Tokyo, yeah, for sure. And because and the store is inspired a lot by the Japanese boutiques and how they operate. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I just love the culture. The Japanese culture is in, insane. So I mean, let's talk about Perth. I mean, Perth. You've since you. I think you've had a very strong hand in building Perth's fashion. Um, really having a, a heavy hand in, in proper fashion and just like, you know, yeah. whatever. How do you feel like Perth is growing? We used to be, well, it used to be a small city. Now everyone's having a lot more respect for what Perth is. There's a lot of money in Perth. There's a lot of shit to do. We have the best events. We have the best Sunday sesh. Yeah. All our friends from the East Coast say we have the hottest girls in Perth. 100%. 100%. Yeah, the Perth girls. Gang, gang. <laughs> Uh, in, in Australia. So how do you see like over the next couple of years of the fashion growing? We're kind of the leaders in the market like to to push that ahead mm -hmm. um, before us. I mean, it still is very much like, you know, that skate, streetwear, culture, everything just um, relaxed wear. You know, they don't really, we don't really push um, the contemporary fashion or luxury fashion. Like we don't have the population. We don't have enough I mean, like money's there, but it's just the culture's not there until we start. I mean, it's, we've been there for 10 years mm. and it's still probably make 5% change. Maybe I'm, I'm just kind of understanding it probably a bit more. Um, but to be fair, we had five to 10 main fashion influencers in Australia that all came from Perth mm -hmm. and they're signed by Paul's um, agency in London mm -hmm. and all, all of them from Perth. So, so that's testimonial of our, the scene in Perth. Like if, if I were to compare Perth fashion scene to Melbourne fashion scene and Sydney fashion scene, right? Perth is very much, we're small, but we're super tight. Like everyone likes real support that scene. Mm -hmm. Well, not everyone, 95%. There's 5% oddity of like, they're just doing their, their own thing. Melbourne, Sydney, there's so many little groups and they don't really unite. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I don't really like about Melbourne, Sydney fashion scene. They don't really like unite the local brands. Do you know what I mean? They're like, there's so many local brands and every local brand just want to do their own thing. Yeah. Right? Well, Perth is like, oh yeah, we're happy for other Perth brands to win. And that's the difference I feel like. Um, the community is so strong. And and yeah, I think that's what helping our brand as well. Mm -hmm. Like the, the local support has been tremendous. When I fly back to Perth and like you and me, like, you know, hanging out, going mm -hmm. to festivals, you know, just going out and about, I noticed that like one of your very strong points is community right yeah and so how do you build that within your own self because i mean you know back when i was in perth we yeah. had like both of us had like you know different crowds of friends and then we started kind of you know coming together but how do you build your your community as strong enough within the cab fan group and the and the and the consumer yeah and then also, do you use those same principles on building your network and friend group who are also connected with a lot of other, you know, different areas in Perth and, and, and Paris as well? There's a difference between, like, I don't, like, I say this to myself, like, 
I have a philosophy that when the water goes up, all the boats go up. So I like when people are succeeding and businesses in Perth are succeeding. I have a lot of successful friends in Perth. Mm -hmm. And when they're succeeding, I'm so happy for them. Right? Unfortunately, a lot of other businesses don't like you when they're, you're succeeding. Mm -hmm. so everyone's trying to take everyone down. Right, whether they admit it or not, they're behind the scene. They're trying to take you down. Yeah. Um, for me, I love giving platform to the up and coming designers and the young kids in the game. Um, I like to, to do mentorship to um, the the fashion students and all that stuff. Give them a platform and give them like uh, information, some lead off on how do you move from graduating from fashion school to getting to the fashion industry. Um, and which you, they don't really teach you at university and fashion schools. They kind of, once you've graduated, off you go, um, but they don't know how to get in. So, so I, I like to kind of give them a lead. I'm, All right, we should try and do this. Contact this person, contact this agency. That are, uh, mm -hmm. Because I have to learn the hard way, which is like, again, knocking on the door, finding out from people um, that way. But for me, just I just building and building and because of that, our brand's becoming known in, in like uh, as Cabernet. If mm -hmm. some some new brands wanting to launch, they launch at Cabernet. To print, like I said, we launch off white. At the time, we, no one knew what off white was. Yeah. So when we got an email, hey, we would like you to carry off white, and we're like, what the fuck was off? It's off white. And, oh, it's Virgil Abloh. And I'm like, who's Virgil Abloh? <laughs> right? Because like, no one knew who Virgil Abloh. <laughs> oh, that's Kanye West's friend. He's a designer. He's gonna be big. And he has Pyrex. I'm like, oh, yeah, Pyrex kind of tacky, but you know what? I have a look. So that's how we got Off-White. Yeah. And the same with Helly DeMille. And right now, we're about to launch Kid Cudi's brand called Members of the Rage, called Mota. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're the first store to, to launch that. We're like the first store to launch a lot of brands mm -hmm. um, in Australia. And now people are starting to follow, like I said, follow our blueprint. Mm -hmm. Because Cabernet now known as like, oh, that shop that kind of exposed the like the the scene the industry what's new what's I'm up and coming oh if it's stocked at Cabernet Noir it must be legit do you know what I mean which means we don't take brands easily mm. we have to really think about we have to look at your business proposal we have to look at your brands and do I have a customer for it right so when I bring brands in I look at them it's like alright who's my customer for that brand oh middle aged guy 45 who's an accountant who just wants simple shit mm -hmm. or an 18 year old kid who wants loud stuff, who likes the hype brand, he would wear that. Mm -hmm. Or, do you, you know what I mean? Like this is the... Now, I'm, isn't this the same thing that when you went to Paris the first time and you right. were knocking on doors? Yeah. That's the same like kind of way and blueprint they thought about you. Like, are they going to be good for our brand or anything like that? And they kind of see, right? Yeah, but also like, this is where I found when I started going to Paris a lot. This is going to my eighth, ninth years of going to Paris, right? Mm -hmm. And people think being going to Paris... It's like everyone knows what they're doing. Like all the brand, all the high-end brands know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. well, they don't. Like I sit down with high beasts and they ask me questions. Hey, do you like what do you think about this brand? I'm like, bro, you're a high beast. Like you should be you should know, you should tell me. But when it's, when I start getting the industry leaders asking me, someone from Perth, that means ah, these guys know nothing. Mm. Show me and and that's what we got leverage too, like coming from Perth. Um, the fact that I have a uh, I'm pretty good at like picking trends um to an extent. Sometimes I'll fucking fuck it up where I buy a brand that I really like and it doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Where I go, ah, oh, fuck. I thought people would like that, you know? Again, going back to that fine dating experience, it's like, fuck, I'll, I thought people would like dark. I'm like, they don't like dark in Perth? Like, what the hell? Everyone else likes dark. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's the kind of shit that I, um, I look at and I analyze the business 
Um, what are some of the worst mistakes that you that you've made? The worst mistake was it's funny because now we're moving away from footwear brands, mm-hmm. and I was dealing with Nike and Adidas, right, the big two giants, and they were starting to dictate what I have to buy. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's like imagine you go to Mark, hey, bro, you go to a restaurant, you need to buy this. Mm-hmm. I go, who the fuck are you to tell me what to buy? Right, so we we cut off that relationship. And because they put us into so much debt, because they forced us to to buy all those, the mm. shitty stock, right? It's all about volume to them. So like Eddie, you have to buy 50, 100 grand of for this season. I'm like, well, do I have to say what I buy? No, you allocated that. But it's they call like oh, but their market oh, it's limited edition. It's allocation only. They kind of sell it to you as in like it's a special edition. No one's gonna have it. Mm. But in reality, it's like no, we put all the stock to your store only, and good luck with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's probably when I cut off those two brands and it just kind of like, it, it gives me more freedom to pick what I like, what products I want to sell again. I remember when I was in Perth last, uh, you had the new, I think it was a new Puma out and that thing was fire, dude. Puma is the only footwear brand we're doing a relationship with. Yeah. Like, because Puma still operates like a boutique, mm-hmm. right? They, they still, we're still doing their content for them and they're like, hey, they're, they're very communicative and like us talk to head office people and. Mm-hmm. All that, you know, they're getting, like, they like to get my feedback and and they're very helpful. Like, hey, let's test this product in your market. If it doesn't sell, we'll take it back. So there's no risk on you. I'm like, great, this is what it should be. Like, to me, it should be like a long-term relationship, not like a short-term yeah. relationship. And these brands just forcing you to buy, buy, buy that to me, like, that's just one night stand, mm-hmm. right? So to me, it doesn't work that way. Um, so, yeah, now, like, we're, we're transitioning because fashion is so quick. So our retail has to be moving, has to evolve as well. Does fashion move so quickly because, you know, like every three months is like fashion week? Like, every and there's always, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Zara has 52 seasons. I'm like, so what? 52 seasons, Zara? What the fuck? Because every week is a new season to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So the way their market is so quick, fast fashion is killing everyone, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it feels like Zara and like all those top men and stuff, their stuff is different each week, but it's literally they're using the same stuff and just putting a different print and then they're still calling it a new... Yeah, I don't know how they do it properly, but... Do, um, do you think Zara and... I think Zara does it better, but like Zara... But there's so many like fast fashion brands that died, like Forever 21. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, boom, Shane just killed him or something. Mm. I don't know if Shane killed it. But, um, but yeah, when you play in that realm, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. That's why, like I said, I like that sort of fine dining experience, Michelin star vibe, right? Less is more. Like you're just focusing on your service and product mm-hmm. and you know, like your growth is like this. Like you don't want to be that because what happens when you go there, you're going to go boom, you're going to plunge straight down. Yeah. But if you go there, I'm like, yeah, you see a dip, oh, but you come back up again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you see a little dip, but come back up again. And if it's dipping a lot more, oh, you got to drastically change what's happening there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you have a chance, right? But if you go so steep, like your, your progress so high, your dip is going to be almost like straight to zero mm-hmm. or negative even. Um, and that's really scary. That's why a lot of big brands are, have, and you know, when I saw um big uh, department store in, in New York, mm-hmm. um, was it Macy? No, Macy. They're shutting down. Um, it's crazy. And I go, what? They've been around for 100 years. They've gone administration liquidation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so we, we kind of like where we are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have big goals to expand for sure. Now, can I ask a really important question? When did you take up nursing? Nursing? Because you've been nursing this drink all the time, bro. <laughs> well, I've been yapping in a way. 
Ah, the orange is so good here. Dude, it's fucking tasty as. Oh, you get so red. Skim up, it's so red. Good. Such a luggy. Yeah, just a little one. You just, I get I get too red when I'm drinking. Luggy? Yeah, a little bit more. First first guest I spoke Lahasa to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. So I think we can uh, you know, this has been really good. Uh, mm. understanding like your persona in the fashion industry, I think we can kind of start bringing this to an end, but uh, I mean, you talked a little bit before about some of the things you want to have, like headquarters, HQs, like a villa here, tequila yeah. bar. So this is the the big concept, big vision. Cheers. Cheers, bro. Cheers. The big vision of Cabernet Noir, right? Um, I have ADHD, so I just want to do a lot of things with the brand. But the big vision is, do you know when you watch Batman, <laughs> you see... Wayne, the the company, Wayne Edward, Wayne Corp, mm -hmm. Wayne Logistic, or Wayne something. Wayne Enterprise. Wayne Enterprise, right? And it's like, you see the, the, the brand everywhere. So I want that for Cabernet Noir. Mm -hmm. So be like, Cabernet Noir, the store. We have a cafe called Cabernet Noir Express. So if I open a bar, I'll be like, you know, for example, Tequila Bar, Tequila High Club by Cabernet Noir. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hotel blah, 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 by Cabernet Noir. So the name Cabernet Noir, it's... It's like a, a stamp of um, luxury and conceptual. That's what I wanted to kind of, mm -hmm. when, you, when you think of LVMH, for example, Louis Vuitton has um, more Hennessy. When people see LVMH group is taking on a particular brand, you know it's going. You've gone luxury. Just recently they bought a brand for Amelion Dor, right? So as soon as they Amelion Dor join LVMH, you knew straight away they're going big. They're going luxury because there's going to be a lot of money push behind it. Mm -hmm. Same with the Cabernet Noir. So the big vision is any new um, business that we're doing under Cabernet Noir has to be luxury and conceptual. Mm -hmm. Right. So the concept itself is the big thing for us. So that's the big picture. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right now we just have a cafe. Next one for us is a bar, um, hotel, maybe restaurant, German and expand like that. But again, doing the slowly, slowly, not and, hey. Yeah. And learning about like even that um, cafe we just opened up man that's the hardest business i've run do you know what i mean like how, how is, what, how is that doing good but it just you have to make a lot of copies to break even yeah right and so your traffic flow has to be um just managing the cash flow is a is a, is a tricky thing mm -hmm. uh, what to buy staffing and all that stuff and hospital people it's just very tricky to, to hire mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so i mean so this is i like learning new business for me like new things uh-huh even this tequila thing we're doing, um, I think it has a lot of legs. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I think you have a lot of vision to it already, mm -hmm. um, which is great. I think, you know, like I'm excited to see where it's going to take, you know, we could even take completely left turn where it's going to something else completely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We could have an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> tequila fans. <laughs> but I mean, that's you said before, like earlier when you made a lot of mistakes and, and spent a lot of too much money. And that's the reason why I've I've taken, and it took you by surprise on how mm. far I took it, you know, because mm. I didn't really communicate it with you, which I apologize for. Um, but the reason behind it was because we were in a position, you know, with the company that I was yeah. in, and we had, I have all the equipment, and I just I just saw something, and I was like, I'm just going to take it because we've yeah. been talking for so long. 
hundred percent. I'm glad. I'm grateful you're doing it. And I wanted to if it's not being done, like you're just sitting as an idea. Exactly. And I wanted to do it. I tried to do it without as much, like spending as much money, so that we can build the foundation. So did we do? We do go like this, right? Mm -hmm. And cool. Like you know, this season we've got some great guests. Yes, you know, great guests. Huge influencer friends. I think the the tricky thing is just that step. consistency for any podcast and yeah. content creators. A lot of people get discouraged because oh my god, I'm only getting hundred views. I'm only getting a million views. Well, like YouTube won't reward you algorithm straight away yeah. until your second year. Yeah. Or sometimes third, fourth year. Mm -hmm. Like I remember watching Mr. Beast content. Do you know what I mean? And he was t talking exactly that. The first five years were just him doing mm -hmm. dumb shit. Jake Paul, Logan yeah. Paul, nothing. They're just doing it purely for the fun of it. Yeah. And I think if we just have that mindset of just this is fun, you know, you just. For, for you and I, we can just like, this is a good opportunity to meet interesting people. Mm -hmm. Like you had an interesting guest already and you know, I'm learning so much about the guests. I'm like, who the fuck is this girl? And like Justin Bieber or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. And that was cool. Um, and, and I think we can go, I think next season when I sit here, I want to talk some some deep shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as we're getting drunk, we can just talk more. Yeah. Of like, well, I mean, this, I mean, this is great. Cause I mean, you're going to come over to Bali, like over the next thing, you know, while we're running this first season. And so the next episode, I think we'll probably talk about some fun stuff, mm. but then, yeah, let's talk about like, for the, yeah, definitely you know, come back. We'll definitely talk about, I want to talk about, you know, our personal shit. Yeah. Cause I'm curious what you're doing. I haven't seen it for so long. We're yeah. dating. I think dating is a big thing, you know, like I think, yeah. Cause I think from like, you know, us, you know, both growing up in Perth, um and then you know me being here now the dating scene is is quite different and your i think i think what we should do for the next episode hmm. um we should talk about like how to pick up girls oh right i love that <laughs> and i think like we'll do in the context as well because i mean how to pick up girls and how to pick up guys we'll give everyone the perspective i wish yeah i wish we have the capacity to have a girl's perspective but that's probably yeah. our next 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 we'll, we'll do it we'll do that on once we get like a, a bit a bigger studio we'll have a third person on and then yeah we'll have it's jumped a bit in because uh, i want to hear what the girl's perspective like what's your worst pickup line that you've been at it mm -hmm. you've accounted yeah like that but oh i definitely have a lot yeah. of that yeah, we can see who's in my books Talk about each other's riz. <laughs> yeah, my 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 riz is different to yours, you know. Like, yeah, and I have a different, um, uh, I, I, I different goals with my rizzes. Do you know what I mean? I think yours is different, so I think it'll be interesting to kind of like expose what, yeah, uh, pickups. Cool. All right, man. Wrap so, it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Cheers. What I want to um hear from you is two things. One, give us a uh, a quick elevator pitch on if someone's. Both because you're now growing different businesses. You're, you've been in the fashion, but you have a lot of experience. Give us a 60-second elevator pitch on what people can do to be successful in building their business. Oh, man, there's no, like, one-way blueprint. My blueprint is completely different. Mm -hmm. And I listen to, like, a lot of people's blueprints. Like, to me, the um, I like using Zig Ziglar's um, quote, you know, and, and, and what he says, like, it doesn't take one step to be great, but it takes, no, it doesn't take, hang on, I'm fucking it up. <laughs> what does it say? But it takes, but you need to take one step to be great. Do you want to Google oh, it? I fucked that up. Do you want to Google it? Quick, <laughs> <laughs> quick. <great, great. laughs> I just listened to it today. I can see you live by this. <laughs> <laughs> Literally quite. 
Are you sure it wasn't like? Are you screwed? imagine like completely wrong? It wasn't um, Armstrong, the astronaut. One one small step for man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to be. You have to start to be great. Yeah. 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 Okay. So just so you mean in context of just start. So like yeah. So I like living by Zig Ziglar's quote. Um, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And I love that because I think the problem with a lot of people, I get a lot of kids coming up, hey, how do you start? Or like, well, have you Googled it? How to start a fashion brand or how to start a clothing store? Right now you have information left, right, south. Spend, spend a week on YouTube like, and just watching everybody. Right, and just, then ask, uh, ask yeah. GB. I like when people come in, come to me and be like, Eddie, I've done this for my brand. I'm struggling to expand how can you help me? Mm -hmm. And then I go, all right, let me help you because you've done your homework, right? But I feel like, but then also there's people who's too afraid to take the first step and you need to first take the first step to leap. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you're not taking that first step, you're never going to leap. Um, to me, that's the most important thing. What happens after that, if you have your, like the most important thing, you have a goal. Um, universe has a funny way of taking you there. Do you know what I mean? Like, for example, I wanted to make a million dollars. I didn't know how to do it. But universe find me a way to make it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's uh, yeah. I think you just keep keep at it. Like, there's no recipe for success. I hate being that guy. Like, you need to do this to be successful. But you just gotta know your direction and make sure you don't lose track of it. Mm -hmm. um, another quote that I want to share is, you know, don't sacrifice what you want most with what you want now. Mm -hmm. Meaning, don't waste time drinking, getting fucked up, whilst you should be working on your vision. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the long-term vision. Yeah. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Nice, man. Very cool. Um, and then the last question to finish this off. So out of 10, what, what would you rate this? Uh, I'm getting pretty drunk already. My face is getting red. Still an eight? This is still an eight. I mean, the, the orange juice here is amazing. Uh -huh. It's better than Australian orange juice because it's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Do you know I, mean? I don't know if they add sugar on it. I mean, it's it's barley in Indonesia. Yeah, I mean, barley. They, have, they, already, they already have a lot of sugar. Yeah. They love so a bit of gula. The tropical, oh man. So this is really good. So still a nine. Eight out of 10 for the first mass curl we've had. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy for me. I like drinks that I can smash mm -hmm. without. Do you know one interesting thing about the mezcal though is when we have had like the OJ and tequila so many times, you don't actually get to taste the tequila as much. Mm. But with the mezcal, and you how taste the smokiness yeah right? you still taste the smoke i think that's I like that. interesting a lot of people don't like that but as you get used to it it's kind of like if you're a whiskey drinker and you're like i hate whiskey because it's too strong and see i grew up on wine and whiskey man yeah i can't yeah. do it i think my i'm genetically i think that's why i like asians and mexicans are similar right <laughs> so we love the tequila so we're like you know that's why for me like you know i love this better like better than vodka better than mm -hmm. whiskey yeah um so easy to drink and a lot of girls will start drinking Tequila OJ, mezcal OJ. I wouldn't mm -hmm. recommend mezcal OJ for girls yet. Start with tequila OJ, smooth tequila, yeah. the Blanco, not Reposado. Um, don't worry about Añejo. That's too hectic for them. They're just a gag. Um, but yeah, just I think this is such an easy drink. Very easy. I can smash 30, 50 of these. <laughs> we have. I think overloaded on like vitamin C. Yeah, bro. Yeah, this is what my piss would look like. Sorry, so much energy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bro. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again, bro. I'll see you. I'll see you when I'm back. Easy, bro. Thank you so much. Peace. And thank you guys for watching. This episode has been amazing. You've been able to meet the co-founder of Tequila High Club, someone who won the World Series of Breakdancing 
and also one of the fastest growing fashion brands, a luxury fashion brand who is absolutely dominating. You have heard it from the best here on this episode. I want to thank you for watching and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Adios.